0: I want to speak to you today about the secret journey to spiritual authority, and um, spiritual authority may not be something that everyone is familiar with, and so we're going to kind of explain it as we go, but I do want to say we had an amazing demonstration of spiritual authority on this platform during the worship. We experience spiritual authority. This choir, this orchestra has spiritual authority. When Colin was leading us, what he was doing was he was exhorting us to worship. He was exhorting us to declare truth that is, which is the real world. That world out there is a deceptive world, it's not all real but God is good. God is our father. Jesus Christ is his son. This is the real world. One day we will face God, and one day we will meet God. But he has come and dwelt among us through Jesus Christ. And He, when he was saying, we've got to worship this God who is real, who has a son, and his name is Jesus, and he is worthy of worship, he's exhorting us into this real world. And as we begin to declare truth, over lies, truth over feelings, truth over circumstance, which is a greater truth, we begin to feel the change. We begin to feel that everything that must bow at the name of Jesus, everything that is is not to have control of us other than God starts to give way. It starts to bow in the face of our worshiping God. So we got to experience what spiritual authority looks like. We've got to come in behind that because, you know, worship is like the point of the spirit goes first. And when the worshipers start up and they kind of march right into our midst and they're clearing away a path, everything that binds, everything that oppresses, everything that's sitting on us, it begins to push that through that and push that back so that we can become free to worship. That's spiritual authority. So I thank God we had a taste of it today so we get to know what we're talking about. So I want to start... um, I want to just briefly describe to you um, few stories move us more than the story of the life of Joseph, a true story about a young man in the Old Testament. And um, I want to just briefly go through his story just for a couple of minutes. But then we're going to actually look at his story according to um, Psalm 105. We, please don't put that on the screen yet. Uh, We're just going to get to that. I just want to set the story a bit. Did it go? (laughs) Okay. There we go. (laughs) So, uh, oh, I see. Yes, okay. (laughs) It's interesting. (laughs) We're off to a great start. (laughs) Joseph is a young man, a true story. In the Old Testament. And he was one of many sons. But he knew that his father loved him. When he was young. He had a dream. And in that dream. He began to glimpse that God had a purpose for his life. That dream began to show him. About spiritual authority. In this dream. He saw people bowing down before him. He even saw. uh, The sun moon and stars. Bow down before him. As it were as if the heavens were bowing. And he didn't understand what it meant, but it felt like he was destined for this. And this true Old Testament story is a picture of what belongs to us as new believers in Christ, New Testament believers. And how did Joseph go from dreaming about it to living what true spiritual authority is? Well, that happened because of the journey his life took. Um, At a young age, great divisions came into his family. And there was family conflict. And it was a family that could inflict a lot of pain on each other. There was many reasons for it. Envy, pride, um, competition, not understanding who they were in Christ. And so moved with envy and jealousy. Moved this family, the brothers, took this young man, Joseph. And they literally threw him into a pit. And they left him there. And, you know, they didn't actually want to outright kill him. No, they wanted to see him dead. They wanted to see him removed. But they didn't want their hand involved in it. So they just put him in a place where you're going to die. And some people know what that is. Left in a pit, spiritually speaking, to die a death of neglect or abandonment. This young man left in a pit actually was rescued by foreigners. And he was sold as a servant. Actually, One, the oldest brother pulled him out of the pit and sold him to foreigners. And in that place, he had, of course, as a very young man, a stranger in a strange land. He had to learn a new language. He had to learn a new culture. He had to learn everything um, in order to be able to survive in that culture. He had to learn many things. But you see, the favor of God was on him and the hand of God was on him in a very difficult place. And it was a place where his evident gifts and talents came to the fore, even though he had to learn almost everything from scratch. No doubt also learning how not to be consumed by bitterness and the betrayal of his family. In this place, that seemed to seem to glow marginally well for him in the fact that people began to see this was a young man of promise and talent, and he began to excel as a foreigner in a foreign land, learning obviously the language and the customs very well. But in that place, he was falsely accused. He was falsely accused of sexual misconduct. So that's, this is not a, a new thing we deal with. And there was no family to support him, no family to defend him, actually no family that cared. And his reputation questioned how s- deep a sting that must have been. Sneered at because of false accusation, he gets thrown into a prison. And I can tell you that his life trajectory now would seem to be going in the opposite direction of what a lot of people would consider to be the favor of God upon your life or the hand of God on your life. Because starting with betrayal at a young age and deep wounding from families, his life trajectory on the outside the exterior would look like it was a degrading, it was a a life that was not going from good to better to best. It was going in the opposite trajectory. He gets thrown in prison unjustly. But here is what I want to draw your attention to, because the Bible says that he was thrown in the king's prison. When life gets very hard and it gets very difficult and oftentimes inexplicable, This is the road that God was going to teach this young man some deep spiritual secrets. It gets worse before it gets better. Beloved, I don't know where you are today or what you're facing. I'm telling you the enemy and sometimes well-meaning but misguided people will try to tell you something that is not true. When the hand of God is on you and his hand is on your life to fashion it, it doesn't mean everything has a Disney ending. Everything doesn't have an amazing parts to it. In fact, in Joseph's case, when it seemed to be getting worse, and many people could identify with what's happening in his life, this message is to come to really show us the incomparable and huge benefits there are if you find yourself in a parallel situation. Many would say, I don't see the blessings or the victories in my battles at this time. But it is, as I said, the king's prison. In that place, in the prison, I'm sure Joseph was under immense spiritual pressure to keep trusting God. In the face of what we experience and currently experience in our lives as Christians from time to time, we are in the same battle In the face of immense spiritual pressure to decide to keep trusting God. But his life is a picture of what is happening in the spiritual realm. So when we look at the life of Joseph, we can see ourselves in his life story. Because what is happening to him is what is happening in the spiritual realm. That unseen world, but that true world. To show us what is happening as we walk with God. Now, when I'm talking about, uh, oh, j- just let me say this. So let's pick up where Joseph now is a man. He's an unknown man. He's a forgotten man in this prison. He's a stranger in a strange land. He's deserted. He's alone. He's accused. His social standing is in a very low place. I'm sure his financial standing is in a very low place. His reputation is certainly in a low place. But why, beloved, do you think there is such a ferocious battle for his faith? The devil wants Joseph to think he is such a small man, an insignificant man, a man whose life is being swallowed up by misery and a, and a, and a bad life story. The devil wants him to think that. His own feelings would want him to think, I am actually basically leading a life that can't help anyone, let alone myself or God. There would be an immense pressure to say, God, if you are for me, is this what it looks like? There would be the, the, what Joseph thinks about this situation a lot of times would mirror or what the enemy wants him to think about a situation would be reinforced because this is how others think about him and this stage in his life. And even though everything outside would say he's an unknown man and a forgotten man, and it, there's no one to fight for him, there is, beloved, when you read the story in Genesis, and if you're new, um, or you don't read the Bible much, I really encourage you to read this man's story in the last part of Genesis which is the first book in the Bible, the first Bible, book of the Bible. It's called Genesis, and in the last half of Genesis is Joseph's story from start to finish. And when we read in the Bible about his story, in spite of how insignificant and forgotten it looks like he is, there is a ferocious battle for his faith going on in his mind. And we could say, what does it matter if a little person, an insignificant person, or an unnoticed person in prison, what does it matter if they surrender to the pressure, the great pressure of trusting God less? What does it matter if of a hidden, insignificant, unnoticed person in prison trust, decides not to to, to surrender to not trusting God. It just looks so bad. And beloved, this is what the enemy is trying to do. He, he wants us and to harass us so that when he lies to us and when he condemns us and he wants us to live in spiritual poverty. When the enemy wants to use spiritual a darkness to use our weaknesses as a weapon against us. It is at this place we get stripped down to what really is truth and who really is God. And he was stripped down in everything he could, could count on or support to inform him who he is, who his identity. I'm sure in that place, in that dark place, all the injustices ever done to him was wanting to actively replay in his mind, going over the scenarios how he ended up in prison unjustly, I'm sure wanted to dominate his thoughts. But it is in this place, stripped down, where we really know that those who belong to God are visited by him. You know, God chose frail humanity as seemingly unstable as a spider web to bear the weight of his glory, to bear the weight of his glory. And that glory is that when we accept Christ into our life and our heart, we become a new creation. Why? Because his life comes in us in the form of the Holy Spirit. And we are saved. We are forgiven of our sin. And we are cleansed. We are accepted. And we are forgiven. A supernatural life. An eternal life. And a life that is greater than sin. And a greater of death. Lives in us. And when everything is taken away from us. That cannot be taken away from us. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. But we received it as a free gift of God. To be able to have fellowship and relationship with him. Because we come to our father through Jesus Christ the son. And we start to walk this earth as forgiven people. And he lives in us. And that life cannot be taken from us. And so the enemy can try to strip everything away from us. But when we are all we are left is this supernatural life that we have in Christ which makes us new creations, not subject to the enemy, but able to rule the enemy, able to talk back to that enemy. We bear the weight of his glory, that we are children of God, that we belong to him, that greater is he that is in us, that he is in the world. This weight of glory that says you are mine and I walk with you. I will forgive you. You stand faultless before my throne. The enemy can't do that. But when you stand before me as a child of God, I'd see the blood of my son. And I say, come nearer, come nearer. I hear you. When the enemy tries to condemn us and remind us of our frail humanity, we can always say, but I have a covering. And God does not see my sin. He sees his son in me. I am forgiven. Blessed is the man whose sin is forgiven, whose transgression is covered. That's who we are. And we have a relationship with our Father. And the glory of being redeemed, the glory of being chosen, the glory of being transformed by the grace of God abides on us and it can't be taken from us. Hallelujah. 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 Beloved, when we get to that place, sometimes the king's prison, where the trajectory of our life has not been following the upward curve, when that marriage just doesn't seem to get fixed in a day or a night, when that battle with depression is daily, when the fight to survive in this city is constant, when the voice says, you don't matter, And what does it matter if you give up on the fight to trust God? Beloved, let's answer these accusations of the enemy and these lies of the enemy with who Joseph was. By looking to know him and his story is to know our story. To know his spiritual authority and what he learned how to wield it and to use it is also a hope for us. And the actual, our actual spiritual story in Christ where we have the authority to condemn the condemner. So if we can, if you'll turn with me to Psalm 105, we're going to look at Joseph through Psalm 105. Verses beginning at verse 17, we'll read verses 17 and 18 of Psalm 105. I'm reading from King James, and it said, He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters, and he was laid in iron. Now, when we look at that word man, that actually, when you look in the original, that actually means he sent an individual. He sent any, each, every. It also means he sent a champion. We see that it's not just male gender, but it is any individual And in this sense, it's referring to a champion. God sent a champion before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant. And we can be in the perfect will of God. And we are being sent before a group of people, a family situation, a people group, a nation even, because this is the will of God for our lives, because we have trusted in him. And now... This trust, God knows how to deepen it. And the enemy thinks he's going to rob us of trust. He thinks he's going to put a Joseph company in a place where we will abandon all trust. But God knows what he's doing. So God sends a man, God sends a champion before them who was sold for a servant. This is where it looks to human eyes as not a blessed life. And whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron. And you may say, well, I understand the feet in iron part when life gets heavy. I don't understand the champion part. I think this story is getting too big for me. No, beloved, stay with me. We, if we can identify with him in the fetters part, we need to ask God for the grace of God to begin to identify with him in the champion part. For the grace of God will not fail us. So he was laid in irons. That means that for a season, his life seemed to have no freedoms in it. It seemed like that the choices that we wanted to make or or where we thought our life was going to go wasn't happening. And yet still, we knew God was with us and for us. It just, there was just some seasons of unexplained pain. There was seasons of... Un- A diagnosis that was very hard to hear. It was seasons of where financial pressures, where relationship pressures were very real. And yet we knew that God was with us. But then it says in, um, we can see as we read this story that there is a purpose to it all. God is sending us before a people that can't hear except that our life preached to them. And we have to realize that that's a real call. And there is a a God purpose for this time. And the plan is a person is needed to go before. And then it says in Psalm 105 verse 19. Until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. Now here is the crux of everything I want to say. It says until the time that his word came the word of the lord tried him you know beloved when we get into very tough situations the word of the lord can try us how does the word of the lord try us well we can remember past promises we can remember things that we have read in the bible but they seem very far from us and for example when it says i have come to give you life and to give it more abundantly you could say where is my abundant life at this moment Where the scripture says, he who has the son has life. And Lord, I I know that's true. And I know in your presence is fullness of joy because your word tells me so. But it seems that the word of God is trying my spirit. It seems very far from me. And the promises of God are trying us. And that word tried actually means it purges us. It's taking away anything that's false in our understanding of God. But it also, that word means fuses. And I want to say after the purging of where we are having to trust God, even though we don't understand everything that's going on, and we make a choice that, God, you've been good to me before. And you are good to me now, even though I have to declare that by faith, not by feelings. When we begin to do that, I'm telling you, a fusing goes on. And what happens is that truth, which the scripture says we can do nothing against truth. That means truth will outlive a lie. That means truth will outrun a lie. That means truth will outlast a lie. That means anything that was false will pass away. But the truth of God's word will remain and it will become more and more real to us. And so, when the word of the Lord tried him, it's like I don't know if you've ever had this situation, but have you ever had the devil speak scripture to you? Have you ever heard scripture in the devil's mouth? It's mocking. It's uh, irreverent. It's it's accusing. That's the that's the word of God in the devil's mouth. Have you ever yourself? seeing God made a promise, but for that season, it seems so far off. And everybody's blessed to the north, south, east to rest around you by you. You live in the island of pain. You live in the island of, uh, did I, have I missed the blessing train somewhere? I'm still on the station. The word of the Lord tried him where the enemy voice or even our voice and lack of understanding of things. It seems to try us and seems to mock us. But the scripture says, until the time that his word came, that the word of the Lord tried him. And I'm going to tell you something, beloved. There is a time when all of a sudden, as we choose to trust God in difficult circumstances or unexplained circumstances, if we just say, I'm sorry, devil, but I'm going to remind you because God's reminding me, this is the king's prison. This is not your prison. This is the ground of his choosing to draw me closer to him. This is the ground where I don't understand it all, but I'm going to trust him because he's good. And I know that you are defeated. And I know that his love for me, even though I can't trust my circumstance or what I see or feel, when I close my eyes and pray, he draws near. When I go to worship, he shows up. When I feel the lowest, he'll come and he says, I love you. And by his spirit, he will begin to raise me up. When there is no reason to hope, I am given hope. And beloved, that's a very good place to be because the old which is a lie is being purged out that that which is real and can be relied on will fuse into our spirit. And we begin to gain ground, the ground of truth. We begin to declare God and his truth of who he is to our circumstance. And we remind the devil it's the king's prison, not the devil's prison. And we begin to hear the word of the Lord in that prison. We begin to hear his voice, the word of the Lord in the prison. And beloved, we can actually become free in that prison where nothing changes on the outside, everything changes on the inside. We've been waiting on God. We've been waiting on him. That word wait means to twist. All of a sudden, my hopes and my confidence, I refuse to surrender who Jesus is to me and the truth that he is. And little by little, we begin to fuse together. His great power and his great love rescues us in that prison and where the enemy tried to say that's my prison we go no that's not your prison God has visited me here this is the king's prison beloved I want to tell you that is spiritual authority you begin to know there is no place that the devil can hunt you down and own you that when we are in the inner prison fighting our circumstances and those voices in our head but we choose to trust God and we and God begins to visit us. He does visit us. This is spiritual authority, and we begin, beloved, to get free. And the Scripture bears this out because it says in Psalm, um, "Am I? Where am I? I'm, not, I'm more a preacher and teacher, but um. <laughs> Hallelujah! Four. Thank you, whoever." I want to say trust is always tried. We are given grace to choose him. We are given grace to choose him. We take half step towards him and he runs a country mile towards us like our father, like a good father. We choose to trust him because grace will be given us to choose him. When we choose to trust over a a period of time, trust plus time equals impact when we let me say that again because that's a real good one if i could write that out as a uh, physics formula and i don't know what i'm talking about here but i would put t for trust over time t equals impact equals boom scripture bears this out verse 20 the king sent and loosed him even the ruler of the people, and let him go free. I want to say this happened in prison before he ever stood in front of Pharaoh because Joseph's story was at the lowest point of his mind he was called for. And when he thought he had nothing, he was called for to stand before the ruler of Egypt, Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to him, I hear you're a man of talent. I'm hearing you have God-given talents. I hear that you know how to interpret dreams. And... and Joseph said to him, Pharaoh, there is nothing in me, but God will give Pharaoh an answer. In other words, that Joseph had been brought to the point that he wasn't trusting himself anymore, but he knew God had an answer. God had an answer for the prison. God had an answer for what he was doing. And when we trust God, we can be trusted with spiritual authority. He stood before that Pharaoh and he didn't speak his own words and things. Well, finally, it's my time to shine. Finally, I get to throw my weight around. No, when you for learn true spiritual authority, it is to give God glory and for the benefit of others. That's That's why God gives spiritual authority. Who can he trust with spiritual authority? True spiritual authority. It's those that have trusted God first. And then they can be trusted with spiritual authority. And beloved, you and I, part of learning spiritual authority is we are waiting until. Until the time that his word came. And I want to remind you there is a day of spectacular freedoms and victories that come to a belief believer who are saying i'm going to wait patiently for my god i will not give up trusting him he knows what he's doing all things work together for good not just my good but for those that my life come in contact with until the time there is a full readiness of what god was going to give him and he knew when he was ready for the full weight of spiritual authority, God did not want to lose this precious man from for pride to pride or prosperity. Hallelujah! And the king sent and loosed him and let him go free. And the scripture said that he made him the lord of his house and he rules and reigns in this place in authority. And for us. It is a type of spiritual authority. The scripture says that he bound verse 22 to bind his princes at his pleasure and teach his senators wisdom. That his is Pharaoh to bind Pharaoh's princes at his pleasure and to teach Pharaoh's senators wisdom. Beloved, now we're beginning to see that God wants to teach us how to have spiritual authority so that darkness can be impacted, that princes of the air and princes of principalities can be bound by people who have been trusted by God to trust him in all situations and having done that they emerge seeing they can see powers and principalities they can see what is operating they know when God is on the move and they get up and move they know when the enemy is trying to shut things down and they begin to pray against it and they know they have the victory in their prayers hallelujah hallelujah He made him the Lord of his house to bind princes and to teach his senators wisdom. And so, beloved, trust over time has impact. We don't. We have to trust him little by little. Every time we come to the crossroads of that really difficult place, we have to choose at that moment. God, you don't have to explain to me. You don't owe me an explanation. You are God, and I am the creature. You do not owe me an explanation of what happens but I know you will get glory when I trust you I just want to say if we look at not just a spiritual kingdom but if we looked at the animal kingdom who who's the biggest animal in the animal kingdom an elephant who's the tallest who's the wiliest a fox go ahead I'll just help you Who's the wisest? They say an owl. Who's the fastest? A cheetah, you're right, 70 miles an hour, somebody's googling. That's very good. But who's the king? <laughs> Why the lion? Because of his courage. Because of his heart Beloved, I want to say we don't have to be the biggest and the fastest and the smartest to have spiritual authority. We have to have courage to keep trusting God in the king's prison. We have to have the heart of a lion to know that the Lion of Judah will never fail us. That takes courage. That takes courage. Be strong and very courageous, the Bible tells us. Have a heart of a lion, because we win that way by being courageous and said, my God will make this work. My God knows what he's doing, because when I come out of this place, I'm going to have an authority over darkness that God is longing to give to me that God says belongs to me that God died to give me but who we have to we have no shortcuts on spiritual authority otherwise we could become like children with chainsaws very very dangerous we're going to be trained to keep trusting God that's what's happening in our lives we're being trained to trust are you in a tough place maybe even a long time in a tough place i've been there we're being trained To trust have we been sidetracked during a season of unexplained pain or unexplained hardship oh yeah let's return to trust him because he'll take us back you know great is his mercy have we had long periods of little change in a difficult place beloved be assured it has a purpose but it has an end I just want, finally want to say it really, really matters. It really, really matters that you and I don't give up. We learned the lessons in the king's prison, being trained to trust. If we got sidetracked, return. Knowing it has a purpose and convinced it has an end when the fullness comes. We can fully trust our God who is doing something beyond what we can think or know. He's doing something and he's been longing. Who will stay with me through the unexplained part? Who will stay with me and just declare that they're putting their trust in God who sent his son, who gave himself for us, who freely gave everything everything for us that we may have life and life we have now it's being stripped down to a bare essential supernatural eternal never defeated life and I say that's worth knowing hallelujah it matters that you and I don't give up Joseph was asked to feed a nation in times of famine and God will feed his people in spiritual famine if we will trust Joseph truly forgave those who hurt him. He truly released a family that hurt him because he was convinced in the end God taught him what was meant for evil. God meant for good. God was able to put a key in joseph's hand and it was the key to the storehouse and he could open up the storehouse and feed the nation of egypt and feed his family and feed those that had wounded him and he could freely give till they all bowed down and said what manner of man is this that can do things like that beloved that's spiritual authority who can do that but a man except a man have the spirit of God in him except a woman have the spirit of God in him finally I want to say because I'm running out of time I know (laughs) thank you I will I recently heard a Christian educator say he was he was quoting Jacob who was Joseph's father He was quoting Joseph's father. His name was Jacob. And when Jacob saw, he thought he had lost his son, Joseph. But Joseph was returned to him. And he came having two sons. Joseph had two sons. And Joseph presents his two sons to his father, Jacob, for a blessing. And Jacob extends his hand over Joseph's two sons. And he says, they are mine. They are mine. And I want to tell you, beloved, that's such a a type of spiritual authority. It's saying that this generation, though they don't, directly belong to me. They are mine. This is spiritual authority that you and I can say this generation, they are mine. I heard this man say, maybe as grandparents, you can't trust your children to raise them in the Lord. But he was exhorting the grandparents, have spiritual authority and declare before heaven, they are mine. Therefore, they are yours. Hallelujah. When we take the students into summit and we pray, oh God. Oh God, give us spiritual custody over this generation as they are in our care. Give us spiritual custody. Lord, I'm a mother in Zion. We are leaders in Zion and we just say, God, give us that spiritual custody over them. Let us lead them in the right path. Let us declare that they are mine and therefore they are yours. Beloved, it's really important. God wants to give this kind of authority in our prayers. God wants us this kind of militant praying. God wants this kind of rising to be because God says we can do this we can pray these kind of prayers Jesus said I take captivity captive now you do it and it's like oh now I do it yes you do it through me you take captivity captive what is binding and and has people bound In my great name, I will release them. Do you believe I can do it? Beloved, if you've gone through the king's prison, knowing the mercy of God and grace of God that kept your faith intact, you can believe it. And we can pray it. Hallelujah. They are mine. I believe the reuniting of families belongs to spiritual leadership. I want to close with this. Did Peter ever get a chance to walk on water a second time? I don't know. But I think if he did step out of the boat again, he would know the waves were none of his business. He would know that he would not prevail by measuring the height of the waves. He would know he would not grow stronger by gauging the force of the wind. He would not, if he took a detailed survey of all the danger around him, he would sink. But Beloved, if he would keep his eyes on Christ, he would walk that storm. He would walk on the waves. He would walk through the wind, the storm. Beloved, we're being trained to trust. We're being trained to keep our eyes on Christ we had a student, and here's, how, here's what she said. She read it out of her journal, and she read it on this stage on a six o'clock service. She said, what God is doing through you while God is fighting for you, this is spiritual authority. What God is doing through you. In other words, you're still reaching out to trust. You're still reaching out to bless. What God is doing through you While God is fighting for you. You're convinced of that. Even in the prison. This is spiritual authority. And we believe that. Praise God. Praise God. I just want us to stand because. There are some people. God wants to give you courage, beloved. He wants to give you courage. He wants to give you courage. If you've been tempted to look sideways and doubt, God's saying don't do that anymore. The path I have for you is very unique with amazing dividends. You're not going through this for yourself. You're going through it for others. And that's going to take courage because the king's prison, that can be a very dark place at times. And if you want to rehearse the recent events of your life or the, re- or the past, it can be painful. But God is saying, I have a plan and I have a purpose. I love you so much. Don't look sideways, look up. And I will give you the heart of a lion. I will give you courage. You don't have to be the strongest, the fastest, the biggest. No, I'll give you something better. I'll give you courage to not give up. And you will be rewarded. And not just yourself. But those for whose lives that you are making a way for them to hear and see. They can't do it on their own. But if I can get a Joseph... I can get them to keep trusting me. When I shouldn't trust. I can do something amazing. I'm making a champion. Lord, I pray for courage. I pray for everyone, Lord, at this altar and all those, Lord, that are facing what they face. I pray. You give them courage, that they could be strong and very courageous in their determination to trust you. I thank you, God, you will not fail them, you will not leave them, but you are training them how the body of Christ needs this brave group of people. Lord, I pray that we would be careful with our words one with another that we would not dishearten with our words oh God but we would encourage one another I pray oh God you would give an increased hunger for your word which gives us spiritual insight into what we're going through it gives us strength for the journey and now Lord I thank you that this church oh God you have us on a path to pray which means spiritual authority which means pushing back the darkness, which means exposing the lies of the enemy, which means taking up the cause for others, which means going first in the heat of the battle, in the middle of the battle. And I thank you, O God, how pleased you are with those that are choosing, in spite of all circumstance and pains of the heart, to trust you. So I thank you, Lord, as they're choosing to trust you. I pray for healing. I pray for emotional healing. I pray that you would touch wounds of the past, that you would touch, oh God, places of deep pain, Lord, where there has been unexplained pain, unexplained and painful circumstances, oh God. As they trust you, you will be faithful, oh God, to lift their eyes higher. And as they look to you, they will become radiant and they will be healed. And I thank you. They will be, Lord... uh, Warriors, oh God, they know what it, they will not stop, oh God, they will not be turned back. They will not be turned back, oh God. Thank you, oh God, for giving them courage, that your grace poured out abundantly, oh God. They will not die in the inner prison, but they will live, and they will live to lead, and they will live to lead. And they will lead with compassion. And they will lead with generosity. And they will lead with humility. And they will lead with integrity. All the secrets they learned about spiritual authority. Entrusting you in the king's prison will bear much fruit for their families and for the kingdom of God. Lord, I feel your pleasure on this group of people. Thank you now for pouring courage and your word into them. I give you all the glory, Lord. Your glory, it does. We are frail humanity. But you know how to give the weight of glory without breaking us, oh God. We give you the glory today for what you are doing. I thank you, God. We lift our heads and we sing in the inner prison. We don't just pray, we sing at midnight in the inner prison. And the chains will fall off because you're that good. May we lead many out behind us, for that's the purpose. To God be the glory. And may our lives bear much fruit with the courage you're giving us this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.